Kristen's got a, um, you know, a, a massive ministry around New Zealand, around the nations, but at the moment he's being restricted to New Zealand. And, uh, and so we want to give just a great, great Hope Center welcome to Kristen Williams from Hope Taronga as he comes. <laughs> it's funny, it, it, used to, it used to feel massive and, um, and then it sort of stopped, you know, like lockdown and um, for the last two years I've been having all these prophetic words that people were saying I was going to be spending time going through New Zealand again. Uh, and on the 1st of January this year, this was the only invitation that I had for the whole year. And I was like, oh, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> um, anyway, that's changed a bit now. Uh, a comment from Michael Hall. Some of you know Michael Hall. Um, just sitting down to check up on your morning sermon. I, sermon, I will have a grade for you in a couple of hours. Uh, uh, uh. And um, uh, have you got the Raging Fire screen there? Just um, many of you will know uh, Ian McCormick. Um, some of you will know him as the Jellyfish Man. Um, he's just my fishing mate. We go fishing together. Uh, he's not usually dressed that well when we go fishing together. Um, uh, so we go fishing together and we talk about fishing. And then usually when he's filleting the fish, uh, he talks about all sorts of things and uh, one time I, 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 you know, sometimes I meet him for a coffee. I prefer to go fishing, but met him for a coffee. And we've talked about the fivefold and revival. And, and I said, I actually don't want to talk about that today. Tell me about when you saw the Lord, because his story, and it's his to tell, but he died and went to heaven and was resurrected so long later that he was in, uh, in the coroner's room about to be autopsied. And, um, uh, and anyway, he came back and that gave the coroner a fright. Uh, um, but um, uh, just to tell you one very brief thing, I, I said, just tell me about Jesus, you know, and we're sitting on, uh, made the mistake of sitting on like bar stools in a cafe at one of those high round tables. It was really hard to stay on it when he said, Jesus wears a robe down to his feet, and when he opens it, there are moving galaxies in his robe. <laughs> so Enjoy. Enjoy. I seriously enjoy. Um, um, I think someone is buying me this shirt. I got a message. Someone's buying me this shirt. Um, sorry, I missed your call. I was on my other line. I don't know if that's a result of my. I, I understand. I understand that farmers sold out today. They said there was an unusual swell of religious people at farmers <laughs> buy, buying shirts. Um, a couple of things I just want to share with you briefly. We're going to talk about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But while we were singing that excellent song, um, every, every nation, tribe, generation, etc. Revelation 7, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. That's a good response when God asks you a question. So he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's where the journey goes, friends. Make sure you've booked your ticket. Religion doesn't get you there. 
relationship with Jesus Christ, personal relationship. You know, you know how I know that I've got a personal relationship with someone is I can point to interactions where, where I've, I've spoken and they've heard me and they've spoken back and I've heard them, where, where my life has been marked and changed by my interactions with them. That's what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord. It's not religious observance. One of the things, and I, 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 I don't know if the prophetic words were recorded, but I hope you are paying attention to what the Lord was saying. Because I've said this to you before, and I'll say it to you again, not to puff you up. I'm not interested in puffing you up, nor am I interested in deflating you either, although sometimes you know that can happen by mistake. But this is an important church. It always has been an important church. It's an important church. All churches are important, but even among important churches, there are important churches. And um, I feel like the Lord was speaking to you tonight quite clearly, but He's laying out the fact that some things are changing. I wrote this down, and I mentioned this to Ross. Before those words came out, I believe the Lord has called time on the imaginary gray area that we created for ourselves to be comfortable in. He's called time on it. And I, listen to this. This is, this is from that word I referred to this morning from, the, uh, from, the, from Great Britain. The Lord is determined to see transformation in the church before we see it in the nations. It will be gracious, but not gentle. It will be merciful, but it will be confrontational. The Lord said to the church, when the fear of the Lord returns, so shall glory. Trembling will become the dominant manifestation in the church going forward as a sign of the fear of the Lord coming into the house of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom coming are the days when the wise church shall rise because she first fears the Lord. I've got other things, but I, I, I just, I just, I, I feel like we want to pay attention to what the Lord was saying at that moment. I also just, uh, I was, um, I was just loitering down the back. Did Josh and Nadia disappear? I just, uh, anyway, just, I guess it will be recorded or passed on to them. But I, um, sometimes when you go walking at Mount Monganui. You know, there's lots of surfers at Mount Monganui. I used to try and surf until a longboard tried to take my head off a number of years ago. Um, uh, but you walk along Mount Monganui and you see all the people. Hi, Anne, how are you? You see all the people surfing, and it's quite fun to watch them. Uh, and some of them have these freaky surfboards, you know, where they're just out there minding their own business, and you see them start paddling and they get on the wave, and the surfboard pops up out of the water because it's got a hydrofoil on it uh, with a blade about a meter long. And so suddenly they're a meter above the wave. It's the freakiest looking thing. First time it happened, I was like, what's going on? And then when they've ridden the wave, you know, they, they come to the end of the wave. They don't lie down. They just turn around and go back out to sea. Just, they just do this. And the, the motion means that they don't have to stop and paddle around. It's the weirdest looking thing. These are freaky surfboards. I saw a picture of Josh and Nadia riding one of those freaky surfboards. And I feel like it's because of the ministry with kids. Ministry with kids is going to be the sharp end of the spear of the coming awakening, ministry with kids. The Lord is, it's like He's booming out from heaven saying this, let the children come and do not hinder them. He's booming it out. And I believe that people like Josh and Nadia and the team around them are going to find themselves and they already feel like they're surfing because there's good stuff happening, but it's about to get freaky because the surfboard's going to go blip and pop up and it's going to be, oh, what's happening? I didn't even know it had one of those strapped to the bottom of it. By the way, there's one thing even freakier than those. You can get these battery-powered wakeboards, and uh, they have that thing under them too. Like the weirdest thing, I was cruising along in my boat a couple of months ago, and there's this guy on a wakeboard, and he's popped up. You know, he's, just, he's up on this hydrofoil, and he's coming along beside me. And I've seen those before, and I looked, and I was like, ah, oh, there's another one of those. And then I realized something was missing. There was no boat. <laughs> there's no boat. He's just cruising along, you know, just on his freaky wakeboard. We do freaky things, eh? Humans love freaky things. Religion is not a freaky thing. Religion is a dead thing. Awake dry bones. I want to do freaky things. I think God is a freaky thing. All right. So, where's my notes gone? Michael Hall is peppering me with messages. What's he saying? 
<laughs> I told him I think I might have mentioned him this morning. He said, you're not allowed to do that. So I've, anyway, too bad. I've done it again. <laughs> if you don't know Michael Hall, Michael's, he's a, he's a good man. Okay. I think I mentioned to you last time, uh, I, did I come in last time and wave an old Time magazine from 1971 around? Oh, I kind of half borrowed, half stole it off Steve McWilliams. A copy of Time magazine from 1971, uh, giving an account of the Jesus Revolution. The move of God that began in, 19, in 1967 and spread into the 1970s. And it was a move of God that brought awakening to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, uh, particularly of hippies. Dope, smoking, board short, tank top wearing hippies became followers of Jesus. And in the middle of it, they had this. They, it was, there was, the article was called The New Rebel Cry. And it said this, wanted Jesus Christ, alias the Messiah, the Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, etc. Notorious leader of an underground liberation movement. Wanted for the following charges. Practicing medicine, winemaking, and food distribution without the appropriate license. Interfering with business people in the temple. Associating with known criminals, radicals, subversives, prostitutes, and street people. Claiming to have authority to make people into God's children. Appearance, typical hippie type, long hair, beard, robe, sandals. <laughs> Hangs around in slum areas, few rich friends, often sneaks out into the desert. Beware, this man is extremely dangerous. His insidiously inflammatory message is particularly dangerous to young people who haven't been taught to ignore him yet. He changes men and women and claims to set them free. Warning, he is still at large. This is Time magazine. It goes on saying, warning indeed, as the words of this wanted poster from a Christian underground newspaper demonstrate, Jesus is alive and well and living in the radical spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans who have proclaimed an extraordinary religious revolution in his name. Their message, the Bible is true, miracles happened, and God really did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. In 1966, Beatle John Lennon casually remarked that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ. Now the Beatles are history and George Harrison is singing, My Sweet Lord. You know what I have to say about that? I really believe, here we go again. I believe that we are going to see something and it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to particularly happen among the children and the young people, and the young adults. It's particularly going to happen among the children, and the young people, and the young adults, and a few of us with the old, you know, we like to call this wisdom, but let's just call it what it is, age. A few of us with the signs of old age, you know, there are always a few that are in denial and try to cover it up, but it's still there in reality, isn't it? There's a few of us uh, that we get to uh, pour into and run with what God is about to do. And maybe God fixed your hip so you can run among the young and ride one of those freaky surfboards that someone needs to Google a picture of and send to Josh and Nadia. He thinks flying a plane is freaky. Wait until he sees what's about to happen among the children. Luke chapter 6. No, Luke chapter 4. Well, all of Luke's good. Just pick anywhere. Uh, Luke chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, open them up, turn them on. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Very good. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, by the way, he would have been handed this because there was a, a routine. There were certain scrolls that were read on certain days and there were certain people that were elected to read from the scroll and make comments on certain days. And so it seemed random. Jesus was there. It was his custom. It was his turn to speak. And he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Okay? So he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, handed it back to the attendant. And now the custom was whoever was reading would make some comments on what they'd just read. And so everyone was waiting to hear Jesus make his comments, but they'd never heard a comment like this before. He closed the book and he handed it back to the attendant and he said this, Today, this scripture, this ancient text that you've had for 600 years, today this text, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> he said this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me right here, right now. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me right here, right now, in front of you. I am the prototype. I am the forerunner for all who would follow after me. The way that the Holy Spirit is on me, he was saying, sets the precedent for all who will follow. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me for this purpose, to preach good news to the poor. Now, that does have application for those who are financially poor, materially poor. You can't read the Bible and ignore the fact that there is a place in the heart of God for the poor, for the oppressed, for the widow, for the orphan. You can't. That's why there will be such even blessing from God on the back to school project. By the way, those of you that were there, thanks for the happy birthday. I enjoyed that. There was a video, a happy birthday video. I really liked that. Thank you. That was nice. I enjoyed that. He said, I'm going, the anointing is on me to preach good news to the poor, but it's not just about the materially poor. Listen, all of us are poor in spirit. All of us are lost. The gospel is for all of us. He said, I'm going to heal the brokenhearted. That means trampled or crushed. Have you noticed that life sometimes does that to you? Liberty for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, liberty for the oppressed, and the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. And you know what? In doing this, guess what he did? He established the priorities for the mission of his church. He said, this is what we're about. This is what the Spirit of the Lord is on the people of the Lord to do. He says, first and foremost, love the Lord with everything. And then out of the furnace of loving the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what we do. It's really quite simple. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You right so far? How many of you have seen those freaky surfboards? Do they have those at Lyle Bay down here? Freaky deaky surfboards. Yeah, they're weird looking things. I tell you what though, it's pretty, it's pretty weird when you're out in your boat and someone comes past on a, on a wakeboard up in the air with no boat towing it. I'd just like to share with you that I've twice had the delight and privilege of towing jet skis home when they've broken down by sucking their tow rope up their jet. I don't like jets. I call them cockroaches because they just scuttle around all over the place. If you're going to have a boat, yeah, there it is. Look at that freaky deaky thing. That's not me, by the way. It's Ian McCormick. Yeah, but see, the, prop, the thing is there'd be no board. <laughs> okay. Yeah, look at that. The crazy looking thing. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now... The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're going to look at this a little bit. We're going to look at certain words in this passage, where the Spirit of the Lord is. So wherever He is... This is what happens. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, He brings liberty. He brings liberty from fear. Paul was just talking about this. He brings liberty from bondage. He brings liberty from addiction. He brings liberty from curses. And the ultimate liberty is liberty from the fear of death. 
It's authentic liberty, not bondage masquerading as liberty. It's authentic liberty. It's not liberty to, to, to live a life of anarchy and rebellion. It's liberty to live the life first and foremost conformed into the image in which we were created. And it's liberty to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. I've told you the story before, but my Uncle Bill, uh, my Uncle Bill, he, he went to be with the Lord about 10 years ago. But uh, when I became a follower of Jesus, my family were not believers. My, my dad was a, for, uh, a former ex-Catholic altar boy who now wanted nothing to do with religion. And my mum was um, an agnostic at best, an atheist at worst. And so we grew up in a house without any sort of godliness in the house. And so when I became a follower of Jesus, you know, I was the first one, then my sister followed soon after. My parents treated that like, like the COVID had got into the house and was spreading, you know. <laughs> I've never used that example before, but that's what, that was like, this is, you know, they were quite concerned. Anyway, then, you know, I've told you the story before. What happened is my, my, my younger sister, she was miraculous, miraculously healed of uh, large cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma right in front of my unbelieving parents. And the COVID spread through the entire family. Grandma, grandpa, nan and pop, they all became followers of Jesus. My mum sent me a message this morning. She was sitting in the front row of church and she sent me a message that she loves Seth. She sent me a message this morning going, Seth was in fine form. Everybody was on the floor. <laughs> you know? So, you know, the, the gospel spread through my house, but there was, or my household. But there was this one problem. The problem was my, my drug addict, ex-convict, Uncle Bill. And my Auntie Robin, who he wasn't married to, but she was formerly um, an exotic dancer, uh, etc., let the hearer understand. I'm saying etc. because there are, you know, there are younger ones here. And I'd read Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. And I'd seen the gospel go through my household. But what about Uncle Bill? What do you do with Uncle Bill? Uncle Bill, who I understand still to this day, holds the record for the longest and largest addiction to methadone in New Zealand's history. He was on methadone. He was on enough methadone to tranquilize a horse uh, four times a week. He, used to, he kept all the little vials, the glass vials, and he had them in 40-gallon drums in his garage from all this poison that they'd pumped through him because he'd been addicted to heroin and opium, which the government said you weren't allowed, but you could have methadone. So they, they gave him methadone. And anyway, I wrote a letter to him. God said, just write a letter. So I wrote a letter. Well, I thought God said, you know, this, you know, so I wrote a letter to him, I explained what happened, and I didn't know this, but he became a follower. He read my letter and said, right, he became a follower of Jesus. He showed it to Auntie Robin, she became a follower of Jesus. They got married, and they started up this freaky-deaky ministry to drug addicts and homeless people and alcoholics and prostitutes and gang members, and this is what they did for the rest of their lives. But see, Uncle Bill did this. He went to the doctor. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He went to the doctor. And he said, I'm coming off the methadone. The doctor said, the withdrawals will kill you. He said, so what? I'd rather live, I'd rather die free than live addicted. And he came off. He came off the methadone with no uh, withdrawals. Isn't that amazing? That's what this Holy Spirit does. This is what he does. So liberty manifests differently for different people. For you, liberty might need to be from the fear of man. It might be needing to be free from the fear that your past will catch up with you and you'll be shamed. Maybe liberty is an addiction thing. Maybe liberty is to do with what, with what you are addicted at looking at on the computer or, or what you pump into your body to help you deal with the rigors of life or whatever it is. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not imaginary, empty talk, but actual liberty. It manifests differently in different people. Like I believe one of the great signs in our times is going to be liberty displayed in the lives of our children and our young people. Liberty from shame 
Liberty from fear, liberty from confusion, liberty from pain, self-destruction, pointlessness. Actually, what I'm talking about is where the Spirit of the Lord is among young people, liberty from the maturing fruit of the lies that we've sowed into our children for the last three or four generations. We've told them for the last three or four generations, you're not created, you're just a chance evolutionary accident. You're just random molecules that happened to turn from a piece of swamp slime into something swimming, into a lizard, into a monkey, into your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. There's no dignity in that. There's no hope in that. There's no point in that. If our kids are not designed, if there's no designer, there's no design. If there's no design, there's no purpose. If there's no purpose, why bother? There's no morality. Morality is just a myth. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is coming freedom from that. And you're going to start seeing children and young people and ministries to children and young people raised up that are going to spearhead this among our children. And out of all of the... Do you know what? I, you know, I'll, say, I'll say this here, and I probably wouldn't say this too widely, but I actually believe that the most toxic environment culture that exists on planet earth right now exists in the western world among young people. I actually believe young people growing up in New Zealand are potentially equally oppressed as those growing up in the regimes that we would call oppressive because at least in those regimes they are still told they are created. We tell them they're not. We tell them we're all alone floating through space on a vulnerable planet that seems to be destroyed, being destroyed by our activity. No wonder they're terrified. It's oppressive. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I tell you what, what happens among the children and the young people is going to have a radical impact on their parents and their grandparents, just like my salvation and my sister's salvation affected my mum and my dad and even my drug-addicted ex-convict, deported from Australia in the 1960s and was never allowed to return, Uncle Bill. <laughs> it's going to have a huge impact on the parents. You know, a lot of parents are confused and scared. Like a friend of mine up home, he runs a, like an informal ministry to young people in his house. His house is crazy. I'm serious, it's crazy. There are young people basically hanging out of every nook and cranny all the time. Every time you drive past, there's a young person walking in, young person walking out. And he winds up dealing with young people. Like he's got a, he's got a, a young lady staying in their house now, 14 years old, two weeks ago tried to commit suicide by overdosing. Then uh, she wasn't successful and then she ran away and they were all out all over the mount trying to find her and they found her and brought her home and he led her to Jesus and now she's living in uh, their house. Yesterday he was off in Lake Topol with 25 young people. He said to me, do you know anyone with a van, mate? I need a van. I said, I'm in Wellington, bro. It's just the crazy stuff that he's dealing with. But you know, recently he had a gathering where he invited all the parents of these kids. And he said, the parents are terrified. The parents are terrified. They don't know what's going on. They're freaking out. His wife said to me, she said, I'm freaked out because they're looking for help. And, and I, you know, she's just freaking out. But you know, I believe many parents, even though they are disturbed and terrified by what they see in the lives of their children, they feel powerless and hopeless in in. Uh, in the middle of this evil onslaught against our kids, in the middle of that, there's going to come a sign. And it's going to be like, and forgive me for those of you that have heard this, I've actually been prattling on about this since Redline days. It's going to be like when Elijah was in the house of the widow. It's in 1 Kings 17. You can look it up to make sure. It's always good to check and make sure that the, what the preacher says is in the Bible is there. But in 1 Kings 17, there's this passage where Elijah is in the house of the widow and there's this miracle of the oil, remember? And the, the flour that just wouldn't run out. And this goes on and on and on and on. And then his son dies. Remember, I think I talked about this last time I was here. 
and the son dies, and the widow basically blames Elijah. She says, what are you doing to me? And Elijah goes up and lays himself out on the boy and prays, I think, seven times, and then the boy coughs and comes back to life. He brings the boy back to his mother, and the mother says, now I know that you're a man of God, and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. And I believe that we're going to see a generation when, when, when resurrection life is released in the hearts and minds and lives of the children, the young people and the young adults, the parents, the grandparents, the aunties, the uncles, the great-grandmas, the second cousins from Australia are going to start coming and they're going to go, hey, we never got it before. We drove past. We saw your signs. We saw your buildings. We saw your newspaper ads. We heard the music even because we were neighbors. But now we know because we're seeing resurrection life in the lives of our young people. So let's just go back to our original text and then, um, and then we're going to finish quite quickly. You doing okay? Did they tell you about the freaky deaky thing I said for you before, Josh? Yeah. Put that picture back up, please. While I was down the back there, I just went to loiter in the back there. Uh, and I, I just went down the back. And I saw, you see these at Mount Monganui all the time, these freaky surfboards. And the crazy thing is, like, when the guy starts riding it, some of them are a bit longer than that. You know, they start paddling and then they stand up on it like a regular surfboard. And then when they get some speed, it just suddenly pops up. And if you're not used to it, the first time I saw it, I was like, what's happening? It's a demon surfboard, you know, like, what's, what's going on? But then it's even freakier because they ride it in on the wave. But then when they get to the end of the wave, they just turn around and go back out to sea. They just, they just do this and the motion gets them back out. They're the craziest looking things. And the picture I saw was of you and Nadia on these. And it was to do with your role with the children. And I feel like you're already on the surfboard. There's already something so good and so powerful happening. But the surfboard's about to go, whoop. It's about to pop out of the water. Things are about to get freaky deaky. I think that's the word. Is the Lord, thus saith the Lord freaky deaky. I don't know if that works. But that's what I feel like. That's what I feel like is happening for you. For you and Nadia and for your team. Things are about to get freaky because young people and in, even in this church, children are going to be right at the tip of the spear. Okay, so let's go back to this passage before things completely fall apart. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I just want to look at three very quick things. Where? Spirit of the Lord, liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Today, no matter which church building you walked into, Holy Spirit was there. And you go, doesn't look that way to us. It's because there's a difference between omnipresent and manifest present. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. He's in your kitchen. He's in your living room. He's in your car. He's on the bus. He's in your workplace. He's everywhere. He's not just here in this room with us because we're here. He's still in that room back there. He's everywhere all the time. Everywhere. He's omnipresent. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, implies something different than omnipresent. You know what I think the where is? The where is where He is loved, treasured, acknowledged, deliberately accommodated. Not just in our churches, but in our lives, in our homes, in our workplace. I don't want you to this is, this is a, a question for consideration, but it's one, it's one thing to say, oh, we, we just love going to Hope Center because Paul and Jody and the leaders, they just, they make room for the Holy Spirit. That's great. But what about you? Church is not something you go to. Church is something that we are. Are you accommodating him in your house as you drive your car? How's your prayer life? 
people get freaked out because, you know, I'm a, I'm a morning person. So my prayer life, most of my prayer life starts really early in the morning. And, and that freaks the, the night owls out. But if, if the roles were reversed and you were doing this and you were talking about best time for prayer is midnight, I'm like, dear Lord Jesus. It doesn't work for me because my best time for prayer is, is, is early, early. When we were down at, uh, at the family's beach house in the, at the start of the Abel Tasman, in the summer, I, I, I still have my times with the Lord because I don't want to go on a holiday from God. I want to go on a holiday with Him. And I'll get up and I'll make myself a cup of coffee, which is really tricky because there's no insulation in the walls in the batch. So everything that happens everywhere happens where you are. If someone coughs in, in, in that room, it happens in this room. You know what I mean? If you bo- so, so you're boiling the jug, lifting it up off the bench and kind of holding it like this, you know, because you're trying to make it quiet. And I'll make my cup of coffee and I'll go and sit outside. And, and you know the cool thing is there's a progression to the bird song in the morning. It starts, first of all, at about 4.40 with the twoies just beginning to do this ding, ding, and you can hear it echoing around, and they do that for ages. About 5.20, you start to hear a few of the bellbirds, and that's beautiful. And then at about 5.40, this dirty, rotten old rooster goes off. And he sounds hoarse and ugly. And I'm like, oh, dear God, let us not be the rooster church. We want to be the Tui church. We want to be, we want, you know, like, I love the dawn chorus in Australia. You go to Perth or, you know, I've been to um, Queensland, you know, to preach at various times. And the dawn chorus over there sounds like a bar fight. You know, it just sounds like this riot of this, ah, it sounds like a fight. And ours sounds so beautiful and so dignified. There's benefits to getting up in the morning. You get to sit there and watch the Lord give orders to the morning like he said to Job. How's your prayer life? I don't care when it happens. It's just got to happen. And it's not a shopping list. It's time being with him. It's time going, that's amazing. Listen to those birds. That is beautiful. Except that rooster. Lord, would you kill that rooster? (laughs) So where he is loved and treasured and acknowledged, which is not something you should just take all those expectations and make them sit on the people in the front row. God, deliver us from that crazy, crappy, religious nonsense. I said crappy. Have you noticed that testimonies often carry the anointing that produce the testimony? Like I was sitting with Ian the other day, and he was talking about a particular testimony. And while he was talking, I was like, oh. Because <laughs> when you talk about them, the anointing that produces them, as you talk about them, Holy Spirit was like, I loved doing that. And that same anointing that created the testimony starts to come. Where he is loved, is he loved in your car? Is he loved in your home? Is he loved around your dining table? Is he treasured where the Spirit of the Lord is? Secondly, Spirit of the Lord. I said to you this morning, in some places and traditions, Holy Spirit is treated like, he's he's like the cellar dweller of the Trinity. We have the glorious Father, And we have the magnificent Son. And then we have the awkward Holy Spirit that we're not sure about because He might come in and act like a drunken uncle amongst us. (laughs) So we prefer, and I've literally heard people talk like this. They refer to Him as the cringe factor. I've literally heard people, I've literally heard leaders talk about Him as the cringe factor. He's the Spirit of the Lord. He's the Spirit of the Lord. He's not, it's not Father, Son. And if you want to, add in the third one. He's the Spirit of the Lord. He is the uncreated third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. 
No one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12.3. He's not an optional extra. We don't get to pick and choose based on our preferences or our fears or our traditions. No Holy Spirit, no Christian faith. You can't say that. I believe the Bible says it. It's not by might, not by power. It's by the Spirit of the Lord. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit. He's the, John Arnott referred to him here at Raging Fire a few years ago. He referred to him as the star-breathing God of heaven. When God the Father, through Jesus the Son, who is the Word of God, said, let there be light, it was the Holy Spirit that created flaming balls of gas and galaxies. He's not the force from Star Wars. He's not some namby-pamby little mist. He is the uncreated, eternal, third person of the Trinity. He's the Spirit of the Lord. Let's get our theology right about the Holy Spirit. He causes some of the manifestations, but don't mistake him. He is not the manifestations. He's the Spirit of the Lord. Some people get upset about manifestations, but think about it. Think about, think about like if you watched a movie about a haunted house. Oh, this is a movie about a haunted house. This is a haunted house. Oh, cool. What does the ghost do? Nothing. Is there any evidence that he's here? No. Holy Spirit does stuff. I think, you know, like, you know, we go, oh, I don't like it if people fall down. I'm surprised we survive. <laughs> How many of you like me have often prayed? In fact, I pray, I pray this over each of my children and their spouses every day. God, have your hand on their life. Think about that. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, he spans the universe between his thumb and forefinger. Let's measure the universe. And then we say, put your hand on my life. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever tried to pat an ant? Ah, <laughs> oh, dang it. Number three. Told you things could fall apart. Okay, we've got to finish this up. Where? Where he's loved, treasured, honoured. Not just at church gatherings you go to, but in the life that you live. Where? The Spirit of the Lord, third person of the Trinity, uncreated third person of the Trinity, forever God, star-breathing God of heaven. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The word liberty means pardon. It means deliverance. It means forgiveness. It means freedom. It means remission of sin. Where there is sin and shame, Liberty. We've all been there, and if you don't acknowledge it, that's sin right there, because we've all been there, and the Bible says it. Where there have been words that have brought curses into your life, even well-meaning things that people say, liberty. Lies that robbed your dignity. You're not evolved. You're created. You're not a chance, random, evolutionary accident. You're a son or a daughter, a beautiful daughter of the living God who's having a bad moment right now. But she is, I talked to her this morning, she is beautiful. She's not, she's not evolved. Things like that don't evolve. She was created. Where there have been lies, liberty. Where there is the fear of man, which always leads us into conformity, where everybody's trying to express their individuality by being like everybody else? Liberty. Where there is sickness and the fear of death? Liberty. Where there is religion, which is an outward form, it's the fireplace without the fire. Where there is religion and bondage? Liberty. I got on, I, I've, had a, um, I've had a little Jason Upton revival in the last little while. And those of you that were, you know, interns back in the day when I was here, you know, like, uh, 
Sander, your wife was one of my first guinea pigs, as was Tiffany, as was Michelle. I inflicted them with more Jason Upton in six months than should be allowed in a human life. The number of times we paced around in the little upstairs room down the end of, well, it's not down this, I'm thinking we're at Waiiti, down the end of the driveway. And we would just have it blaring so loud, you know, the, the words of a song. And, and there was only a dodgy recording because it wasn't one of his official songs. It was just a dodgy recording. It always cut out at the end. <laughs> just when you were getting into it, just stop dead and go to the next song. It was really awkward. But he'd be singing, my heart is aching for my father. My eyes, they long to see my God. The world has nothing I desire. You are what I'm looking for. Hide me underneath your shelter. Cover me and I will sing. I am yours. I stopped listening to Jason Upton and now I've just had a Jason Upton revival and this week I just got undone by this song. Listen to this and it has something to do with our message and then we'll finish. He sings this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're tired and you're thirsty, there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face, there is freedom. This liberty brings salvation. If you're here today and you don't know that your place is booked in that great crowd from every nation, tribe, and tongue standing before the throne of God, worshiping, tonight's the night to be saved. Saved from the consequences of sin. Saved from the curse of sin and death. Jesus paid the price for us. There is no other way. This liberty brings hope. This liberty brings joy. This liberty brings peace. And this is my testimony even from the last six months. This liberty brings peace even in the midst of the worst storms that you face. This liberty brings dignity. It brings identity. It brings creativity. And this liberty is rooted in eternity and says things like this. Why fear people? What can they do to me? I used to think back in the day a lot more about how to finish messages. <laughs> now I write them and I sort of forget that part. But I know my legs are feeling quite odd right now, which is always a sign of the manifest presence of the Lord. Can we stand up and, and worship team from wherever you are? Could you re-emerge? Rachel, I enjoyed... Uh, introducing your Isabella to a boat. She was on Michael's boat, and then I also introduced her to our boat. Part of my mission in life is to create addiction to boats among children. <laughs> Little Madison loves my boat. She likes my boat better than Michael's because mine's got seats. Her dad's got a boat, but it doesn't have seats, so we were out on the Matakana Island the other day, and she said, can I go back to the boat ramp with you? I said, why? She said, your boat's got seats. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep, yep, yep. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Falling on every face, there is freedom. If you're tired and you're thirsty, there is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Just for a moment, just turn your eyes away from the crowd that's around you. Take your eyes off this, this lovely room that we're in. And take a moment to imagine yourself peering through the darkness looking to see the Lord. 
Maybe you have to peer through some difficult things that have been going on in your life. Maybe you've got a broken friendship or relationship. Maybe you've got tension in your family. Maybe it feels horrible to try and look at the Lord because all you feel is shame. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Holy Spirit, we love and we treasure you right here. We let down our guard. We love you, Holy Spirit. We treasure you. You're beautiful. We just, we lay down our religious expectations or even ambitions. You're beautiful. We love you, Holy Spirit. You're the Spirit of the Lord and we love you. And we say, Holy Spirit, if you're looking for a where, there's one right here. Right here, right here, right here is aware the Spirit of the Lord is. We love you, Holy Spirit. We treasure you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. We treasure you. We thank you for the people that you've placed around our lives that just so obviously love you and treasure you. We thank you for their testimony. The Ian McCormicks and the Seth Fawcett's and the Heidi Bakers and the John Arnott's that have been around our lives. Lord, we thank you. We're so grateful. But thank you, Lord, today, because of the cross, we have the same access to you that they have. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, we love you. Right here, we love you. Right here, we love you. Right here, we love you. We love you. Right here, we're not thinking about what happens next. Right here, we're not thinking about what kind of burger we'll buy. We love you. We just love you. Holy Spirit, we treasure you. You're so beautiful. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Showers of mercy and grace. Showers of mercy and grace. Showers of mercy and grace and peace and joy. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Healing and addictions being broken. Healing and mercy. Prophetic words, creative songs. The wind of the Spirit blowing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. A great grace upon you, Gary, for the Spirit of the Lord to be manifest among the men. Among the men, men who love and treasure the Holy Spirit. Hundreds of them and hundreds of them and hundreds of them. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.